You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You looking for an online sports book with fast payouts and easy-to-use interface? Look no further than MyBookie.ag. Payouts in only two business days, the best customer service out there, the best odds, and even live betting. Go take a look for yourself at MyBookie.ag, and once you figure out that it's the best, sign up with promo code WCE50 for a 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code WCE50. I'm Gary Seegers. Catch me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And I'm Chris Giannini. Follow me at ChrisBGiannini. And this is the Winning Cures Everything podcast from WinningCuresEverything.com. Before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and review it. We cannot stress how important those reviews are for iTunes rankings, so help us out. Those of us who love this sport live for nights like this. You are looking live at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. How about that? So here is fourth down. Can you believe it? It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Are you kidding me? Honey Badger don't care. This is Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything number 170. It is the November 28th, Tuesday edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. Christopher, how are you, my friend? Man, it was an unbelievable Thanksgiving weekend. It definitely was. The problem with these Thanksgiving weekends is that the games that happened on Thursday... And and even Friday, it, whenever it's something like this where it's a big coaching change weekend and, and there's playoff talk and conference championships and et cetera, et cetera, everything feels like it is so far back, you know? Like it, yeah, the, we, do, we, don't, we didn't used to live in this 24-hour news cycle, and now something that happened Thursday, which is a huge game, especially like the Egg Bowl, NFL games that were massive, are all seem like old news. But they're not. They're still last week's news. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Let's uh, let's go on and talk the Egg Bowl for about two seconds here, because it was obviously Dan Mullen's last game there. Uh, Matt Luke won himself the coaching job, all that good stuff. Were you surprised at the outcome? Uh, maybe maybe not so. Before the game, did you think Mississippi State was going to win that game? No, I mean, okay. Did I pick State to win it? Yes. Did I think Ole Miss could win that game? Yeah. 
I took Ole Miss with the points, way too many points, um, and, and, and a bet. I just – you cannot lay 16 points to a robbery, and I thought in these games, yeah, I think anybody's a live dog. So, yeah, I agree. Every one of the big robbery games that happened this weekend, some we'll talk about, some we won't, because while they're big robbery games, they're, they're not big games, I bet every one of the dogs. I didn't win many of them, but you don't have to. All you have to do is win one or two, and the money line pays off so much, it doesn't matter. That is true. That is true. Um, let's go on and talk the big games. We'll, we'll get the games out of the way, then we're going to talk playoff uh, scenarios, and we'll talk about the coaching changes and all the mess that happened in Knoxville, et cetera, yesterday. Um, or on Sunday, I'm sorry. So um, let's go on and start with the Iron Bowl. That was the biggest game of the weekend. Auburn 26, Alabama 14. Uh, I'll start this off by just saying what it was. Auburn whipped Alabama's ass up and down the field the entire ballgame. It was never it was yeah, never a ballgame, really. No, it was it, right after halftime when Bama got the ball back, they went on a march down the field drive. And I thought, well, that's what Alabama does in second half football games. And, brother, that was it. That was the last offensive display of we want to play football. There was the rest of the game. It really was. It, it, you know, it's it, as an Alabama fan, it is very difficult to sit back and look and, and try and figure out what the game plan was. You know, because the game plan was it, just I, – I, I, I couldn't even tell what the game plan was. You know, I, I will tell you this. I think this is one of the situations you need to give your opponent credit because I think they took you out of your game plan. Oh, 100%. Kenron Johnson is – I'm probably saying the name wrong. Carry on. And carry on, that's it. Johnson, he needs to be Tough. 1A with Baker Mayfield and the Heisman Trophy candidate for what he does for that team. He might be the most unstoppable force in all of college football. When yeah. he's healthy, and he hasn't been healthy all season, so he doesn't have an entire season's worth of work. He doesn't have an entire season's worth of resume because he has missed games, and he has missed a lot of snaps. But when he plays, there is no one, and I mean no one, more valuable to their team and lead that team to success than anyone else in football. On top of that, Jared Stidham, I think, played the best game that he has played since he's been at Auburn, maybe maybe the best game of his college career. Well, I think he had to play a little bit better game than in Georgia because in Georgia they just routed him. But I, I'm going to tell you this: I've watched a lot of Auburn football. Man, Jared Stidham's a good quarterback. It took him a while to get started. I think if they play Clemson today instead of Week One, I think Auburn beats Clemson too. And and you know we we might get to see that. We might not. But it's one of those deals where he it took him a while. We've got to remember, while he he's a he's a transfer, so he just started learning this offense this all season, this you know August, and and right now we're seeing what he looks like fully invested into that system. Yeah, now you you are and entirely he got, right. He got to play Clemson with no prep at all. He got a spring game, and that's his only live action in that system. And Clemson's really lucky for that. 
Agreed. Real life. Agreed. Um, Jalen Hurts, I, I don't think, looked great as a passer. Uh, I don't know that we can really necessarily blame him for that. I think I think the passing game at Alabama is just broken. They they don't the routes that they run are so predictable. Uh, but the biggest problem that Jalen Hurts has is he will not it, where where everybody applauds him for some of this where he refuses to throw the football um, like just up for grabs. It really that's what good football teams do. There are cases where you just have to put it up there and let your receiver make a play. And there were times where he just held on to the football too long, et cetera, et cetera. So where the offensive line was getting just dominated, uh, in those situations, your quarterback has to know, you know, I've got two seconds to get this ball out. So you got to have hot routes. you got to have guys that you know to go to. And, and then you got to get rid of the football. Like, I mean, that's, that just is what it is. On top of that, the, the Alabama running game, their three main backs were Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough and uh, Josh Jacobs. Those three combined for 18 carries. Each of them got six carries. Jacobs was the, the lowest as far as average. He averaged 4.2 yards a carry. Bo Scarborough averaged 7.7. Damian Harris averaged 8.5 a carry. And Jalen Hurts carried the ball 17 times. It just blew my mind that you wouldn't hand the football off more. You know? Like, a lot of these runs that Hurts ended up having were were broken down passing plays. So, it, Auburn has... They, they get all the credit in the world for that because they completely disrupted what Alabama was doing. Auburn's the best football team in the country right now. Yeah, I, well, now, wait a minute. I, okay, I agree with that, and I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I would tell you that I called this at the beginning of the season, though. I thought you guys, and I thought um, uh, Ohio State's offenses were fraudulent. I thought you were going to beat up on a lot of bad defenses, mediocre defenses. But if you played somebody who could hit you and hit you hard, I thought you both would struggle. And I've watched – you guys struggled. You won some of those games. You lost this one. I've watched Ohio State struggle, lose some of those games, won some of those games, but you're not the same team. And it's because you're not a great offense. Now, okay, as let's let's get to the Jalen Hurts stuff that you broke down. From what I have watched, this is a Nick Saban offense. Okay? You can blame Hurts all you want, but have you ever had a quarterback under Nick Saban, whether it be at Michigan State, at LSU, at, at Miami, or here, ever throw the football up for grabs? The answer is no. Be careless with the football to try to make big plays? No. You take the sack, you throw it away, you live to fight another down. He plays, let's protect the football, super, super, super conservative offense. Let's run the ball, protect the football, play good defense, keep us in ball games. I don't know if you can put that on Jalen and even if you could put that on the offensive coordinator. Last year when Lane tried to get cute and actually develop an offense around this weapon called Jalen, he got put in the corner and said, no, sir, we don't do that here at Alabama. I don't do that as Nick Saban. You don't risk turnover. It is the cardinal sin in the Nick Saban offense. And I will tell you, I don't know that I can blame Jalen for that because I think he's been coached up for that. I agree. 
I agree he's been coached and, up for and, years. And the, reason, and the reason that is is because that goes against every instinct that a big-time player has is to hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Nothing's there. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And to not try to make something happen and let an athlete be an athlete. But in the history of Nick Saban at Alabama, when he was at LSU, I watched it happen. It, you just – they just don't do it. They yeah. don't throw the ball up for grabs. And and I know that – I've read the Twitter, you know, story that, that you shared out, you know, tell people to read or whatever. I know there's a lot of criticism, and Jalen has to wear that. I don't know that anybody else that takes Jalen's place is going to be any different with that because they are coached and told – you don't make these throws. And if you do make these throws, you're not allowed to play quarterback anymore. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree. So I'm uh, – let's see. Let's see. Let's go on and, and move from the Auburn-Alabama game. Let's talk about the rest of these big games. And then we're going to talk playoffs. Um, it, it seemed like such an easy conversation with the playoff thing. If, if Chalk had won out, it was, it was going to be easy. But we are getting into chaos mode and I'm enjoying it. Uh, this game has nothing to do with it. Mike Leach went down to uh, Seattle, and it, look, the Cougars absolutely got it handed to them by the Huskies, 41 to 14. At what do you think it is about Washington State where they cannot compete with Washington? I don't, I don't think. I just I think for some reason or another, and this is why I don't think Mike Leach will ever be able to get a big, big, big boy job anywhere else. His resume is never going to be great. He's never he had that one year at Texas Tech where he went like eleven and one, but but other than that, he's always going to have three blemishes on his record. And we're not even talking about one boo boo here or one boo boo there. And this is just it. I think he's a guy that coaches his dudes hard. Um, and he's not a big rah rah fiery guy to get them all fired up. And that's why I think they go out and lay eggs every now and then. Sometimes they do it in blah, blah games where we say, oh, that was an overlook on the team. And sometimes he does it in big games. I think he coaches all those games the exact same. He draws the X's and O's scheme up, and he treats these 18-year-olds like adults. And he says, go out and run them. Oh, you're not going to execute? You sit down. Come sit over here for a minute and watch the game. He's still pretty old school when it comes to some of that stuff. And – uh I just think it's easy for games to get away from you when that happens. Um, that's what you get with Mike Leach. I don't know that there's going to be anything other than that. Um, he's always going to win games he shouldn't win, and he's going to lose games he probably should, and uh, he's going to compete in you know some games. And when it goes south on him, it's always just going to go like that. I think yeah. at a school like Wazoo, you take it. You yeah. beat your rival every other year. You you know you win seven eight games a year and you're a god. It is different expectations for different people, and I think if he stayed at a place like that, or if he ever you know if he could have made things work in Lubbock or whatever, he's going to be great. Could he make something work like that at a big time school like in Alabama and LSU or Florida? I don't know. I, I really don't. That's I don't either. I, he he's one big in the Big Twelve, and he's one big in the Pac twelve because in those. In those leagues, there are plenty of teams that you can throw the football around on. I don't know if you can do it in the SEC. I think he'd probably be able to put together an offense that would be successful 
I don't think it would be like what you see now. Oh, I agree. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I think he'd be fine, and I think there'll be years where he'd compete for the you know for this for the conference championship, whatever conference he goes to. I mean, I think he would be in that realm of you know every two three years, man. I'm a live dog in this thing, but it's not going to be a year in and year out. I'm going to be a ten win program. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So. Let's talk about a let's talk about a game that you did not enjoy too much. Ohio State thirty one, Michigan twenty. Um, look, JT Barrett goes out. Ohio State still does what they need to do to get the win. Ohio State's offense looks awful against teams that that actually play defense. Good defense. Any, any defense? Yeah, they look terrible. Yeah, they look terrible. And I'm gonna tell you this: that miss. I'm an LSU guy. I have watched really bad offenses for years. That Michigan offense that we saw in this game, and it is not because of the quality of defense they were playing. Guys were wide open, and this O'Corn dude couldn't hit anybody. And then the two or three times he actually did hit somebody right in the hands, in stride, they dropped it. This was offensively the worst display I've ever seen in my life. I've ever watched (laughs) from start to finish an entire game and it looked bad. It looked really bad. And I gave some some of my Ohio State friends for giving me hell because I picked Michigan, yada, yada, whatever. I'm like, look, you're going to brag about that win? Knock yourselves out. You play like that against Wisconsin, Wisconsin beats you by three touchdowns. Yeah. Because Wisconsin is not going to be that bad on, deep, on offense. They're just not. No, Wisconsin's going to gonna run it right at them the whole ball game. Yeah. And it, it's – We'll get to the, 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 the covering all these championship games and stuff in our opinions. But if you're if you're gonna be proud of that win because it's a big rivalry, knock yourself out. Go ahead and make you those little gold pants or uh, necklaces you got there. And and wear that <laughs> but I wouldn't tell a soul. Okay? I wouldn't show anybody that game film. I agree. I agree. All right, Clemson thirty four, South Carolina ten. I was a little bit shocked by this. I thought South Carolina's defense was uh was better than this, but Clemson came out and showed, look, they are absolutely uh, in a position to be able to come back and uh, and defend their title. Uh, did you see anything out of this that, that maybe made this a fluke or anything? Or I mean, from what I saw, it looked like a beat down from the word go. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. Okay, so that rivalry – the rivalry was fun during Spurrier's day. A, because Spurrier won a lot. When the underdog wins all the time, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. But Spurrier's kind of a, a fun, likable guy, you know, takes shots at people. But it's it's never – he's never like the intense dude. Muschamp is real easy to say, we're going to get fired up to beat these guys because we hate this dude. All right? He's just that way. He's easy to dislike. Um. I think Clemson's one of the best teams in the country. I think they're going to have to fight like hell to beat Miami, but I think they're going to go to the playoff. I think they're probably going to do it. Well, you brought Um, up Miami. Let's go on and move on to that game. Yep. Pitt 24, Miami 14. Does it bother you at all that Miami can still get into the college football playoff even with a loss like this? No, they beat Clemson, and they've got a one-loss team with a conference championship through the ACC. That was probably the best – not probably, not even close to probably. That was the best conference in football this year. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think you're probably right. They got two great teams. 
they got probably three or four really good teams. No, I don't know that it's close. Man, uh, you know, who am I thinking of? NC State. NC State is a really good football team. And they got like four losses in that conference. And they're all in conference except for the Notre Dame one. And then, of course, there's uh, there's Duke that's going to a bowl game. Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest, really good team. Yeah, really Florida team. State Louisville, is, is one of the worst really teams. Team. Yeah, Fl- Florida yeah. State is one of the Every- worst teams there, and, and that should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, so, so I think winning the conference gets in no matter what. Miami's had a hell of a season. They went on the road. They lost on the road. It's no different than Clemson's one loss. Now, I saw a stat. Um, that we're going to get into the college football st- playoff talks and whatever in a minute. But let's talk about why I think the Canes should be in. So a lot of criticize Miami because they played bad teams close. Have you seen this floating around Twitter? No. 20, 2016 Clemson team. Let me show you what their record looked like last year. Okay, this is your national championship that gave Alabama all they wanted and came out on top at the very end. Clemson beat Troy by six, beat Auburn by six, beat Louisville, a mediocre team last year at the end of the season, by six, beat NC State, not the team they were this year, by seven, Florida State three, which were they were Florida State was way better last year, by Tech by seven, and lost to Pitt by one. They made the playoffs. Nobody questioned it. Everyone the entire season said, they're still the best team in the country. They're up there with Alabama, one two, one two, one two, and nobody put in doubt that they didn't deserve to be there. Miami has virtually the exact same record, the exact same schedule, the exact same type of caliber of wins and losses, and it doesn't matter. We all of a sudden say if they lose one game, they're out. That's ridiculous. It just cannot be so. Well, I don't think that anybody is saying that they're out. I think that they – I think it's losing a game this late, right? Like, I, I almost have a problem with the fact that Alabama has a chance to uh, to get into this playoff after getting beaten by Auburn, you know? That whole, that whole win you lose is the dumbest argument I've ever heard, though. I know that they make it, but I think that's ridiculous. If you schedule a good team early or if you schedule a good team late and all you have is a, a loss to a good team, that's – that's ridiculous. I agree. Ohio State's loss to Oklahoma shouldn't have mattered if it ha- if it happened in October, if it happened in August, or if it happened last weekend. It doesn't matter. It's it's a loss to a good team. You judge it on what you ju- what you see. Agreed. I, so so I don't I don't buy into that. And if the committee does, shame on them. But all right, let's talk about two more games right quick. Uh, first off, look. I really believe that this was the most exciting game of the weekend, and it happened on Friday at 2.30 on ABC. Central Florida 49, South Florida 42. Look, it doesn't get any better than that as far as entertainment value goes. That was just unbelievable. You watched that whole game, didn't you? I watched every bit of it. I love both these coaches. I love both these teams. I've made a lot of money this year betting on both these teams. Well, tell me what you think. It was it's so weird to see a game come down to uh, when when you've got a, a tie game and then you kick it off to one of the most dangerous return men in the country and you let him run the kickback. That just blew my mind that they would actually kick to him in that spot. 
I was just about to say there ain't no way. I, I know that it's not hard. It's not easy to coach these teams, and all these decisions get you know made and you know split seconds. And all right, we scored and we you know we tied the game up and let's just kick it off and play defense and take this thing in overtime and see what we can do. And it, it I don't think that anybody's thinking clearly there. But yeah, you can't let that guy touch that football. You just can't. I, I'll take the five yard penalty and kick it out of bounds. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost would have done the same I thing. I, or, or I'd have onside kicked it. They'd have never seen it coming. And and if they get the ball, all right, you got the ball in the 40. You got 20 seconds left. Do something with it. Well, it's like Can at that point, an onside kick wouldn't have been that big of a deal in that spot because no. you feel like Central Florida is going to score anyway. You know, like they, they've no. already put up 42 points. Their offense is obviously yeah. rolling at this point. Like There were seconds. Left. There was like twenty something seconds. It's not like there was like a minute. And well, no, no, no. There, there was like a minute and a half left. When Central Florida ran the kickback, yeah, oh, yeah, I it was like that, a minute thirty. That, oh, maybe I'm thinking at a different time. So, but yeah, it, it was like a minute thirty left, and it, I mean, honestly, South Florida had plenty of time to to get the ball back and take it back down the field, but. By, I mean, obviously they turned the football over and all that. They, they were rolling down the field. I mean, they had plenty of time to score again. But, you know, an, an onside kick there would not have been an awful idea. I just – all I know is both of us teams are really good. And I would tell you this. We, we, we're going to get into this playoff talk. This team, if you were just – if you took where they went to school, you took the name of the school off, you just looked at their resume, you looked at – I get they haven't played the quote-unquote schedule some of these power fives. Their schedule's better than a lot of SEC schedules. A lot of Big Ten schedules, their their schedule is better than. They yeah. got better quality wins than than maybe Wisconsin, than than maybe some of these other schools. And you know, I don't I don't know that their schedule is any worse than Ohio State. And we're talking about Ohio State maybe getting into the playoffs if they beat Wisconsin. Well, look, I've got these uh, the playoff resume stuff up right now. Uh, UCF's strength of schedule is 90. Ohio State is 50. So that that's where the difference is. Uh, but that, yeah, that's just okay, between those right, two teams. One is 90 and one is 50. One has two losses. So if you were to take Oklahoma off of that schedule and Iowa off that schedule and put in two cupcakes, let, hold on. Let, let's look at a couple other things here. Uh, strength of record: UCF is number eight in the country. Ohio State yeah. is number eleven. All right. Game That's control: what I was about to say. If you replace, if you replace their two losses with, we're going to give them two wins, and you let them play Mercer and McNeese State somewhere. Okay. Okay. In place of Iowa and Oklahoma, UCF has a better record than them, but everybody in the country is saying Ohio State goes to the national championship because they're undefeated. Yeah. They have a better strength of schedule. They have played better teams, and they have a better record. So while their strength of schedule isn't as good because of the conference they play in, I'm not kidding. The AAC has an argument for being a part of what they are trying to call the Power Six. That's the truth. That's a fact. They are not like Mountain West or Conference USA or any of these other conferences. They yeah. are different. They're way better than them, and they're way better than them year in and year out. I agree. I agree with you. So, I agree 100%. And this was the best game of the weekend, and one of the best games of the year. <laughs> Just yeah. awesome football. 
it really Saturday was. It really Friday was. Afternoon. The whole thing was was so much fun to watch. Um, I, I'm going to bring up this next game just to bring it up because both of us picked Notre Dame to win it. But yep. Stanford 38, Notre Dame 20, and Good it enough. was it was 20. Yeah, it was 20 to uh, to 17 at Notre Dame at the end of the third quarter. And, and Stamp, I mean, fourth quarter, yeah. God bless, man. What what do you think happened here? I don't know. I, I don't. Part of me thinks that, and this is the truth. I think part of me thinks that the opposite effect happened. Stanford got word that Washington had just blown the doors off Washington State, and they were playing for the Pac-12 championship. And there was a thought of me that thought once they figured that out, they have nothing to play for in this game, so they sit everybody. And I wonder if that gave them just an extra boost, an extra gear. I don't, or I don't know. I have no logic for this. I've watched Stanford play several times this year. They were incredibly boring all year long. They they didn't look exciting. They didn't look good, and they didn't beat up anybody except for that, um, uh, the one game against Washington. That's that's the one game on their whole resume that they looked good. Yeah, and they they looked real good against Notre Dame. When that see and that's that the was thing. Notre Dame home game too, man. I watched some of that game, and there were just as many Notre Dame fans as Stanford fans in that stadium. Oh yeah, the farm is. I've never understood why Stanford doesn't. I told you about this. Uh, it was last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Yeah. We where thought, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, when I went to Stanford uh, back over the summer, I mean they they do not support that football team, no. and I, they should. I, well, th- there was one whole end zone that like Notre Dame's team rushed in, and the whole end zone looked like a home Notre Dame game end zone. It was it was pretty crazy to see on TV. But Stanford whooped them. They played close. They played a tight game for three quarters. In the fourth quarter, Stanford said, "No, sir." No, so not in our house. No, and yeah, they no. they whipped the up. You are you are one hundred percent right. Let's uh, let's shocked talk about this me. playoff. Shocked me. Is that what? Right. I said that just shocked me. Oh yeah. Oh same same here same here. All right, let's uh, let's talk playoffs. Um, let me give you the 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 rundown of what ESPN believes is the college football playoff ranking right now. Like after this past weekend's games. Okay. Number one, they have Clemson. Number two, and this is uh, this is going off of the AP poll and, and strength of schedule and all that kind of stuff, right? Number one yep. is Clemson. Two is Oklahoma. Three, Wisconsin. Four, Auburn. Now, it, it, first off, do you have any problem with any of those four and where they are seated? Um, yeah, we're going to get into the – I think those are the right four. I don't think that as of right now, I don't think there's anybody else that should be in in the four. I agree. But if we're go- and that's hard, if we were going to nitpick on anything, I'm going to tell you this: Auburn has played two number ones, all th- all three teams that have sat amongst number one, Auburn has played, and they're two and one against them. They've got the hardest schedule in the freaking country, and it's not close. Well, it, it, see, think, strength of schedule. Right. Strength of schedule. They are number twenty-four. Clemson actually has the toughest strength of schedule. Just, it's just wrong. It's just I don't know how. And I don't know what they're using to figure that. But that is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Because they have played three 
all three teams that have been at number one, they had to play against. All three of them. They I went agree. two and one against them. Their only other loss is to what we have seen to be a really good LSU team, much better than what we saw at the beginning of the season. Well, I think part of it has to do – so listen, these are the teams that, that they have beaten, right? Um, and I, I'm not going to give you the, the weak ones like the Kent State and Citadel or whatever, but yeah, – um, none of that matters. And so they beat Auburn at home. They blew out Louisville at Louisville. They blew out Boston College. They blew up uh, Virginia Tech on the road. They beat Wake Forest by two touchdowns. They beat Georgia Tech by two touchdowns, who, which that doesn't even count as a quality win because Georgia Tech is uh, five and six now, I believe. Or maybe it may be even worse than that. I, I don't remember what the record is. Uh, but either way, they've got a losing record. Um, they won at NC State. They beat up on Florida State. And they blew out South Carolina on the road. So their road games were at Louisville, at Virginia Tech, at Syracuse, at NC State, and at South Carolina. Sound pretty difficult See, now. I, no, I mean, it, 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 you know, that that's nowhere close to what Auburn's played. It's just not. It's, it, none of those teams, not a single one of those teams that they listed are as good as Alabama, Georgia, or Clemson. Not, not a single one of them. And Auburn had to play all three of them. I think the I think the issue here is that they so Auburn had those three games, and you but, can put LSU in that mix. I know that they lost the LSU game, but LSU is better than every single team that you just named that they had to play. Right now, playing them all, LSU is better than every one of those teams you just named that Clemson played. I agree, and and that's Auburn's one loss other than the Clemson loss. I agree. I do agree and, with you. And that's, that's, that's why I don't, I don't know. So this is, this is my struggle. I don't know all the, the math or figures that they're using to come up with these numbers. I just know what I watch on Saturdays. And you cannot tell me that Auburn has not played. And this is not a pro-SEC thing because you and I have had conversations. This might be the worst the SEC has been my entire life. We have three elite teams. We have two kind of good teams. And then everybody else is garbage. I think, I think last year, last year was the worst that the SEC has been. Because last year you didn't even have Auburn and Georgia. Yeah, and LSU wasn't nearly as good last year. No, you had Alabama at 12-0, and 0, and then That's nobody else in the conference was nobody. better than 8-4. and 4. But, it, but it's bad, okay? So this is not, this is not a Homer SEC guy saying – it's got to be the SEC team. But I don't know how they're not number one. I just don't get that when they've had to play Auburn, Alabama. Well, because at some point, losses have LA, to matter. And Mississippi State. At, at some point, like, the losses have to matter, right? So yeah, Auburn's lost to Clemson. Strength of, hang on, but strength of schedule losses don't matter at all, right? We're just figuring your strength of your schedule. So we can gauge how much your loss matters and how much your loss doesn't matter. Well, but the, the this is all a computer rating based on you know teams that have winning records, et cetera, et cetera, right? So well, that, that's, just, that's why that's the Clemson just, stuff comes up. That's a, it's a terrible way of figuring it out. Anyway, I think Auburn. I think Auburn would be my number two, and I'm consistent in that because Clemson and Auburn did play. Clemson beat them. Clemson should be one. 
and I don't know that there's any way on earth I could have Auburn less than two based on just who they have had to play and right. how they came out of the games. Yeah. So so tell me this. Um, okay. why, why do you think they would have Oklahoma and Wisconsin ahead of Auburn? Does it have to do with the losses? Yep. Okay. They both have one or no losses. They're undefeated. And, and you have a two-loss team, and so many people see, well, you know, two-loss team can't make it in. And, you know, but what they've done is so impressive. You can't – because they have the head-to-head win against Georgia, you can't put Georgia over them. And the head-to-head win against Alabama, you can't put Alabama over them. The only one-loss team that you would consider putting over them, they've beaten. And so – you got to put them in, you know, and that matters. I get it. The two off thing matters. I told, I'm not, listen, I'm the one that was banging on the drum that Miami and Wisconsin should have been up in conversation of one, two, and three with Alabama all the time because wins have to matter. But at some point in time, they haven't mattered all this time. And now today, wins are the only thing that matters. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Well, let, here let's so. let's talk about these playoff scenarios. <laughs> to me, okay. there are only eight teams that have a shot at the playoff right now, and I'll, I'll go on through them. Either Auburn or Georgia is going to be in. Yes. Either Clemson or Miami is going to be in. Correct. That right there is. That's four teams. Now, you've got Wisconsin against Ohio State. One of those two teams will be in. And then you've got Oklahoma can't, against... Not, oh, not, not will. Can. One of those two teams can get in. Yes. Okay. Wisconsin, not, not the same as the other one. Correct, correct. Wisconsin or Ohio State, they play. One of them can get in. One of them will get in with the win. Like, if Wisconsin beats Ohio State, then whatever. Uh, o- Oklahoma is the other one. If they lose to TCU, they are out. If they beat TCU, they are in. TCU, I don't believe, even with a win, can get in. See, I disagree with that. That's what we disagree with. You don't think TCU can get in? Or you do think TCU can get in? I might be wrong in that. The committee might not think so. I think they are wrong. Okay? If if TCU can be a one-loss team coming out of the Big 12 and win that conference, and they had to play a rematch against Oklahoma, and – Oh no, they've got two losses. Yeah, they're, they're two they're, losses. one of their losses uh, okay. is to a five-loss Iowa yeah. State team. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not putting them completely out of it, but that's just because. Are you going to say now? Now we're splitting hairs here. Can Ohio State make it in? See, Let's that's Ohio State and TCU both win their conference games, and the other two winners are obviously in. Here, let me go on and, and give the whole rundown, okay? So, the winner of the okay. SEC championship, either Auburn or Georgia, is in. The loser is out. The winner of the everybody, AC- and then Alabama. Right, well, here's all right. So, the winner of the SEC the championship takes TCU places Alabama. That's easy, right? The winner you don't think well, get in. Hold on, hold on. The winner of the ACC championship, either Clemson or Miami, is in. The loser is out. That's right. If Wisconsin beats Ohio State, then they are in. If Oklahoma beats TCU in the Big 12 championship game, then they are in. The Pac-12 championship has no bearing on the playoff whatsoever. So Friday's Stanford-USC game is is basically just going to be like a fun football game. It'll be for Rose Bowl. Yes. Well, no, no, no. It oh, won't be the Rose, be the Rose Bowl. Bowl. It'll be it'll be the uh, Fiesta Bowl. 
whatever. Yeah, they're out. That doesn't matter. The UC, uh, UCF has no chance to get in the playoff, even with the win over Memphis. Um, and then we and then things get hairy if Wisconsin and or Oklahoma don't win their games. So if TCU beats Oklahoma and Wisconsin beats Ohio State, then Wisconsin is in and it looks like Alabama's in. If TCU beats Oklahoma and Ohio State beats Wisconsin, then Alabama and Ohio State look like they are probably in. Now that's where I problem. That's it, it, see, I agree a little bit because I I feel like TCU should should get TCU's in over Ohio resume, State. TCU's resume is better than Ohio State's. Yes, it just flat out is. Ohio State has played virtually no. We thought they were going to have this awesome resume because we thought the Big Ten was going to be awesome when the season started, and it's not. It's just not. They're having one of those years like the SEC. It's down. That's it. Yeah, I, I can't. I cannot say it any better than that. TCU lost to Iowa State, not nearly as bad as Ohio, uh, Iowa, Ohio State losing to Iowa. Not not even on the same spectrum of how you should grade these things. Well, but here's bad. the thing: Iowa State and Iowa both have the exact same record at seven and five, and Iowa State lost to Iowa. It, it but okay. So now we're looking at their second loss. All right, their second loss. Both of them lost to Oklahoma. One loss at home. One loss on the road. No, no, no. But well, yeah, one lost uh, at Oklahoma. One loss at home. That's to what I'm saying. Oklahoma. Yeah, so you're right. Oklahoma I thought you were talking about the Iowa, Iowa State. Iowa. So now, so we literally have a virtual tie between TCU and Ohio State on who they lost to, other than Oklahoma. One lost to Oklahoma. Both of them got beat up in the game. Both of them got dominated in the game, so you can't say, oh, well, one lost by this and one lost by that. Oklahoma handily lost, beat both of them. One happened on the road for TCU, and then TCU got revenge and was able to beat them again so they can cancel that loss out. The other one happened in the, in the horseshoe. Yes. There is, there is absolutely no reason that Ohio State should be considered if TCU is not able to be considered. It's just not so. Here is here is why they will be. I agree with the resumes and everything that you said, but if it comes down to both TCU and Ohio State winning their conference championship games, I think TCU should get in over Ohio State. I absolutely believe that should happen. So these are the games that that they will point to for Ohio State, right? The wins. Their wins will be... Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So Michigan State is what nine and three? Is that right? Yeah, Something nine and three. Like. Michigan is eight and four. Penn State is ten and two, and Wisconsin is twelve and zero right now. So that's four pretty good wins. But they also have the insanely, like, horrifying loss to Iowa, TCU. Yeah. They have the win over Oklahoma State, which is a nine and three team, and then they have wins over six and six Texas, seven and five West Virginia, seven and five Kansas State, six and six Texas that Tech. That wins over everybody else they play. Right now, I think that the non-conference game is what could end up costing TCU because Arkansas was uh, horrifically bad. 
even though they won the game, it, it could end up hurting. What's going to happen, Gary? And you and I know this. This is that. This is ridiculous. Okay. What's going to happen is Ohio State's going to get in because they're Ohio State. Well, here's here's and the thing. We have to, and we have to build a narrative to make sure that we spin this web the way we spin it, the right way, so they get in. That's that's what that's what we're doing here, right? Well, here, here's I mean, the if thing. We're gonna, if we're going to do it, let's just do it. Okay. If it's Oklahoma beats is. TCU and Ohio State beats Wisconsin. Then Oklahoma gets in, and it looks like Alabama will probably get in over Ohio State. If you look at strength of schedule and strength of record, game control, FPI, it, all of the numbers, all the metrics, Alabama has better metrics than Ohio State. Now, that may change a little bit if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, but... When you look at the teams that it, it, the the good wins and whatnot, like it obviously does not help that Alabama's East opponents this year were Vanderbilt and Tennessee. That doesn't help anything. But a close loss on the road at Auburn, I say close here, loss. It was two two touchdowns. You said that. Hang on. But here's what you here's what you just said though. Okay, if your opponent was anybody else in the East other than Georgia, it, it's the exact same. Because all those teams are dogs, right? Well, no, there's I there's like only that. three that are really dogs because the, the, yeah, their no, record counts. Um, Look, no, I don't care. Georgia's okay, eleven and one. Hold on, hold on. Georgia, Georgia is eleven Georgia's and one. In. South Carolina is eight and four. Kentucky seven and five. Missouri seven and five. And then the those, other three were garbage. Are seven and five because they won a bunch of non-conference games and then they beat each other up. Okay, but but if you play Missouri. Missouri's a garbage team, all right? Arkansas is the worst team in the West, and it's not even close. And Arkansas gave them all they wanted and almost won that game, okay? They're still a dog. I know you've been on them lately, and their offense is good. They're a dog team. Let's, let's, let's stop, all right? And I love <laughs> South Carolina. I've been all over South Carolina. South Carolina could not – they are up there with Michigan as some of the worst offensive football in the in the country, as soon as Debo Samuels went out, that whole team just went straight in the crapper. Okay? And they still won eight games. So, so, it's, so it's not – yes, exactly, exactly. Well, they got they got a good game against NC State early when everybody was healthy. That, that helps. Okay? They're not the same team as they were. So I crap on you, and I'd like to take every shot I can at Alabama, but if you would have played Florida and South Carolina – it would have been no different than if you played Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And if any any computer system or any of these other people are going to judge it differently because of record and how it all worked out this year, then they're wrong. They're just wrong. I've watched all those teams, and other than Georgia, nobody. There's zero separation between number two and number six on or seven on the East. There's just not. There's just not. Tennessee is at the bottom, and it's so glorious for us to do and see but other than that it's not close i can't tell you that tennessee is not you know just a little bit worse than south carolina yeah no i'm I'm with you i i think look i like conference championship winners i don't like that you can be the second in the conference but win the chip in my scenario for what i want in the world I think Alabama and Ohio State should both miss out because if they both miss out on the playoffs, guess what we have? 
we have an expanded playoff next year or the year after. And they throw this contract away. Why? Because two monster schools with more money than anybody in the country can muster up miss out at the same time. And so they say, cannot have this shit, will not have this, won't stand for it. We change it. We change it right now. I don't care what contract we have to break, but we got to add that. We got to expand this thing out. I I wanted, instead of being an 18 playoff, I would not mind it being a 16 playoff. No, don't give me that. Don't give me that. You got to stop that crap. Everybody's got to play every week. If you're the one seed, you should be able to beat the eight seed. That's it. That's it. Everybody has to play the same amount of games. We cannot have that. (laughs) This, This is just ridiculous to stop it. Just put two more teams in there, and if you're afraid to play those two teams and you're the top two, shame on you. Go beat the number eight team in the country. Go beat UCF. Let's let UCF at the table, and you go beat them. Yeah. All right. But I can, that's, I what, that's that. what we want for the for the good of this sport, for the good of it all. We need. I need TCU to get in, and I have no way to figure out uh, in Wisconsin to win. That's what I need. I need TCU and Wisconsin to win their bowl games, their, their championship playoff games, and for somebody in the room to say, you know what, I'm only taking conference champions. And, and I'm dying on this stage. And those be the four teams, and then Alabama and Ohio State are flipping out, and that's exactly what we need to happen. That's exactly <laughs> what we need to happen. It would All be right. for the better of the sport. It's for the good of everything. I don't think you can win the championship anyway. If they let you in the tournament, I don't think either one of those teams are beating Clemson. And if, if Auburn has Johnson back, I don't think anybody's beating them. I, so, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Hey, tell me, tell me this right now. Betting those two teams play for the national championship, if they are both, I'm, I'm quarter, I'm, I'm caveat here. If they are both healthy, because if Johnson's out, you can punt off Auburn to the curb. They're not beating Georgia. All right, tell, tell me this: the playoff matchups. If if Alabama gets in over Ohio State, if Ohio State beats Wisconsin. The playoff matchup would be number one Clemson against number four Alabama, so there you've got a repeat there, and then you've got yep. Oklahoma against Auburn. Rematches of okay. bowl games from last year, and Ooh. it is incredibly unlikely, but it is incredibly possible that we could get an Iron Bowl rematch. We could get Iron Bowl two in the national championship game okay. in Atlanta, which is funny. I'm happy with, it, here, that, hold on, hold on, check this like, out. How ridiculous would it be that Auburn would have to beat Georgia a second time in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta to win the SEC to make it to the playoff? And then they would have to beat Alabama a second time in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta to win the national championship. It'd, be, it'd work out well because that, 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 that's, that's close to Auburn, but it's, it's close enough to Alabama and Georgia too. It's going to be split 50-50 pretty well. That, that would TV. be an unbelievable scenario. I, hey, listen, that might get me what I want in expanding the playoffs. If we have another all-SEC championship game, because that, that's what sparked this whole thing to begin with. Yeah. It was Alabama, LSU, and everyone said, can't have it. Throw the BCS away. we got to figure this thing out. we got to do something different. In one of the years where the SEC is at its worst, if we can have an all-SEC championship game, that might be what the ACC and the Big Ten and Notre Dame and all these other people say, hey, nope, we, if we'd have let TCU in, they might have been able to beat one of these teams. 
If we'd let Notre Dame in, they might have done something different to, to beat one of these teams. Somebody could have done something different to beat them. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I just I, all I want is an expanded thing. You know how I feel about it. I I think the excuses are that that they already play too many games. I think it's just total bunk. It's such bull. It's not even funny because every other level of college football does it. And we play so many cupcake bullcrap games all year. If you mean to tell me we got to have Mercer on the schedule or we just cannot play football, then 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 this is just crazy. I don't know. I don't. I can't have an intelligent argument with anyone if we if that's the same we're dying on. I, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's do it. But for now, let's do talk it. about some college coaching. That sound good? Oh my goodness. Yes, I forgot. I forgot even. I forgot all about this. Like you got me fired up about the bowl stuff. It's all good. Look, it's a long podcast today. Let's just roll with it. So, look, Florida hires Dan Mullen over the weekend. That seemed like a pretty good hire. It was their third choice. They were turned down by Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. I think Mullen's going to do well there. Do you agree with this? Um. Yeah, he probably will. Probably will. I was very surprised at at him taking the job. One because he had interviewed there before, and and they did not want him. And on top well, of that, well, that interview went a little different than this interview, and that was with a different athletic director. Because I was under the impression. Now we got some pretty bad art, uh, like information. All right, remember a couple weeks back when we were told that they were going to go cheap and they weren't going to be big on anybody, and and we had a whole podcast about it. Yeah, that. They went balls deep into Chip Kelly, swung with all their might, and missed. Told they weren't going to do that. And then said they weren't going to spend over $3 million. And they're ponying up close to seven for Dan. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened or what changed, but I think it... Somebody walked in the room and wrote a check. Yeah. I, I think at this point in time, like, if you're going to make a coaching change and all that, like, you better be swinging for the fences. Like, you better be I'm, swinging I'm, for the fences. I thought... I thought that all along, which is weird that that we got that information that shocked us. So I I was surprised that it was Dan Mullen mainly because I know that his wife doesn't like Gainesville. Like she she has talked about it, you know, on on different radio shows and whatnot about how much she hated it there, and and now they're going back. So I don't know how you she's going to leave that. that now. Was, hang on, you don't think that was smoke and mirrors? No, she was saying this before the Florida job was ever open. All right. I, I just feel like some of these people make it, make their job so much harder because they're not smart and they don't know how to dodge questions. But they made this huge ordeal about how we're not leaving, you know, here and we bleed maroon and this, that, and other. Like, I don't understand why it's not as simple as just walking to a podium when people ask you about other jobs and saying, look, guys, I'm trying to get ready for next week. I'm, I'm recruiting hard here. I'm working my tail off to make Mississippi State the greatest place on earth to play football and for us to win as many games as possible. <laughs> but I'm and not going to guarantee you that I'm not leaving. No, but I'm not. But that's right. I'm, ne- I'm not going to come out and say I'm not promising I'm not leaving. But I'm also just I'm just going to poo-poo the whole thing. I'm going to sweep it all in the rug. I'm going to Bill Belichick it. Man, we're on to Cincinnati. Okay? Yeah. If you want to ask me about last week's game, I'll talk about it. If you want to ask me about next week's game, I'll talk about it. But, but, but I'm not talking about something that's going to happen, you know, three, four, five months from now. 
that might happen. We all might not be here then, you know? And and it's just it's just so easy to do that and shun it. But these guys don't, man. They double and triple down and I'm all in and I'm never gonna leave and I'm I mean the second the second the the smoke hits the fire, I'm out. Walking out the door. Yeah. I I agree. Anyway, just strange. Let's I think uh, he'll do fine there. Yeah, I think I think he'll be all right. I didn't I didn't anticipate talking that much about Mullen. Uh, Ole Miss hired Matt Luke as their full-time hire. I was a little surprised because it, this felt like it was a rushed hire. Like, I, I get why well, you, you do are, it. He's He's been there. Yeah. Like, he led the team to a 6-6 six and six record when, when really they could have given up at any point in the season. Uh, and he won the Egg Bowl. Like, the issue to me is that they made the hire before getting the NCAA COI report, which mm-hmm. to me means that they don't feel good about avoiding major sanctions. Right. Like even that's, right. that's what I was just about to say. We think that this means that they're about to get hit hard, and and they need Luke to to ride this out. Yeah, like I I think even looking at at Luke's contract terms, he gets a hundred. Like I don't think they plan on winning a whole lot of games over the next few years. Like basically, Matt Luke is is Mike Shula, right? So it's uh, his base salary is going to be you know around three million dollars a year. And then he gets $150,000 for every win over a Power 5 non-conference school and $150,000 for every SEC win, starting with the third SEC win each season. Like, and Luke wasn't going to get hired anywhere else, so so why rush into this? I don't know. Now, I, hang on. I saw, I saw a tweet the other day, or yesterday, that... Um, Ole Miss had hired the same search firm that LSU supposedly hired. LSU didn't hire. I mean, Joe Oliva was pretty like adamant. I'm not, that was one of the things we were real critical of him of. I'm not hiring a search firm. I'm doing this myself, right? Yes. That, that Twitter guy had to be wrong, right? It's uh, well, no, no, no. It, it, they did use a search firm. Um, what's the guy's name? Gene DeFilippo, I believe. It's uh, I can't remember the name of the the stupid Something firm. Something Walken. Something Walken firm. Mm. I think it's Walken's in the name. I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember that. I'll have to remember it for tomorrow's podcast. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, they they did hire a search firm, and yeah, same one that LSU used. Basically, what it is is they go around and they are the third party that talks to these other, you know, agents for other coaches, right? And you get a feel mm-hmm. of do people want my job or do they not? So yeah. Ross Bjork, of course, came out and said, oh, you know, the uh, the people that, that wanted the, – the interest in the job was strong, right? But if it was strong, then, then why do you stick with Matt Luke? And I, I look at it this way. I don't think that Ross Bjork made this higher. I think that the, the Mississippi Athletic Foundation, Athletic Club, whatever, uh, they're the ones that told him, we're going to hire Luke. We're going to stick with the people that have been here that we know that we can kind of run like a puppet. That's and, right, we can control. Yeah. Because if you think Matt Luke's going to have control of this program, then you're crazy. Like, it, it, it well, won't be Matt Luke making the decision. There's a good chance that Bjork's not going to be here. Why are we going to let him make this hire? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The whole thing is just bananas to me that I just don't know why you would make the hire right now when you when you feel like the – the sanctions are coming probably this week. 
You know, I, that's what I couldn't figure out. Like, why not wait another week and then figure it out from there? Because you I still got to. I think you want to go ahead and get it locked up because, I mean, all these coaches, as soon as last week was over with, unless you're playing in a, a championship game, they're all hitting the recruiting trail hard because this is the first year they're doing the early signing day. That's why I think. Right, but if if that's the case, like, how many recruits are actually going to come to Ole Miss this year oh, until they know what's up? Guys. They're just not going after the five-star guys that they used to. Man, they're still going hard after all this local talent in Mississippi. Yeah. Just because they're about to get hit on probation don't mean that they're not going to recruit anymore. I mean, they got to work hard. Now they've even got to work harder to get guys. Well, on, on top so, of that, it may not be a bad idea to get on top of it while Mississippi State does not have a coach. That's right, that they're, and they're down. You know, I, I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If you thought that he was going to be the guy, the timing is because why are these guys doing knee-jerk reactions to hire coaches faster than they've ever done it? Because of that December signing day that we've never had before. That's that's the answer to that question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you are uh, you're probably right. All right, let's uh, let's move from that into the ones that uh, that. Yeah. All right, you know what? Let's talk about Chip Kelly to UCLA. You think that's a good gig? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I thought Chip Kelly was a great coach, and any place he lands is going to be awesome. So he's out on the West Coast, and he's he's going to do good things there. I I agree. I agree. All right, it looks like Scott Frost to Nebraska is going to get done. He turned down Florida. I think Nebraska is going to give him. At as much money as they can possibly make in Nebraska, they'll give him everything to get that program back up to par. I don't know that uh, that he will be able to take them to national championship levels, but I think he'll be able to win there. You agree? Man, I don't know. I, and, and I could be wrong because I don't live there. But for some reason to me, I just don't see Nebraska being what they used to be. We live in a day and a time where recruiting is so important. And in Mississippi, and in Alabama, and in Arkansas, we are so close to these hotbeds of talent that come from Louisiana, Texas, Florida. And in in-state, we still get a bunch of in-state talent. I, I don't think it's the same in Nebraska. I just, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't follow high school football or recruiting well enough to know that. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as just showing up and outworking people and and turning Nebraska into a 10-win program. I don't. And Bo Pelini got fired after two nine and four seasons. I, I you know, I, if you're, they're obviously looking for somebody that can win 10 games every year and not fall below that mark. And I just don't know that that's going to happen. And I've I, been on the Scott Paul's train all year, but I also know he's got oodles of talent coming around Florida. Yeah, and it it helps uh, what his schedule is. So at at Nebraska, the schedule will not be uh, nearly uh, what it is in the AAC. I think Nebraska will be better than what than they were with Mark Mike Riley. I, I agree. Think they'll play That's... hard. I think they'll be a tough team. But are they going to be the ten win team that they're wanting to be? No, but I don't think so either. Coaches for less. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about five teams that do not have a coach right now. First off, Tennessee. What happened yesterday was absolutely absurd. Um, the, the Greg Schiano stuff came out, and John Curry did say before you know, as soon as everything was was out about Butch Jones and he was fired and all this, 
once that came out, he said, you will not hear from me again until we have a head coach. And then you hear from him on Monday morning, and it was after all that stuff went down with Greg Schiano. I don't think that the Schiano stuff that came out yesterday was fair. I don't think he was the right guy for that job, but I don't think that it was because of the Penn State stuff. That stuff pisses me off, and you know that. You yeah. know it makes me sad. I, I have been a defender of Tennessee for a while because I think it's the SEC is more fun when them and Florida and all these big schools are better. I don't like them being the laughing stock that they are. But you, you, you give me no hope now, man. I think Greg Schiano is a good football man. I think Greg Schiano is a really good football coach. Everyone was painting up his record at Rutgers, and he was one game over 500. What they forget is he inherited a school called Rutgers, and they sucked. And it took him two and a half to three years to just get them to like a seven-win team. And then after that, they won nine games. They won 11 games. They won nine games. It took a lot of big-time wins. Man, this guy was playing in BCS bowls, okay? He was fighting like hell. To, to put them on the national map, and he was doing it. And then he got an NFL gig, and all NFL gigs are good gigs, okay? And he got down to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay had no talent. Can anybody name the court, the best quarterback that he had at Tampa Bay? Because I'm pretty sure Mike Lennon was his name, and we know how good he is today. Yeah. All right? That's, that's a garbage team he had in Tampa Bay that he inherited. But I remember that team. I remember that they fought hard. They played hard for him. He is a good football man, and I thought that was a good hire. And I think Tennessee fans, to crap on that and to pull the Penn State crap that they pulled, really, really pissed me off, really bad. This guy had nothing to do with Jerry Sandusky. He didn't cover up for him. He didn't He didn't hide anything from him. He's been under oath. He's been scrutinized. And so I went to dig, and you and I texted a little bit, and then all I did was Google yesterday and read about Redig into the Jerry Sandusky crap that had to do with him, and it is so far from even being close to a rumor. One guy didn't want to be in the crap by himself, and so he said he heard from another guy that he thought that he saw Greg know something about it. Man, it was it was as a roundabout monkeyed around with as possible to throw Greg's name in there because he didn't want to be in it by himself, and not one state attorney could come up with enough evidence that any of that was true to even question Chiano about it. It's just laughable. The Tennessee fans, absolutely shame on all of you. The lot of you. Okay? Now, we like Clay Travis on this show. We listen to him. We, we, we read a lot of this stuff, and we, we are fans of him. I'm not so much lately because he has gotten far too political for me, and I don't enjoy politics and sports. One of the reasons I liked him at first, and now I'm consistent with not liking him. But I do not like the mob mentality of, I, I don't like what happened. I don't like the hire you made. And so I'm going to round up all my stooges, and I'm going to get what I want, and I'm going to bring you down. I, I don't I don't like that at all. Because we took something that wasn't even true. We took something that was absolutely false, and we used it to blacklist a dude. And, and, and I'll tell you this, Greg Schiano is not the best dude in the world, okay? Most of these football guys that are good football guys are all assholes, okay? I'm not saying Greg Schiano's a Boy Scout. I'm not. 
but but he ain't what people in Tennessee made him to be at all, at all. No, I agree with that. So it, I, it was I ludicrous. I hope he gets a big job. I hope he gets an SEC job, and I hope when he plays Tennessee, I hope he sticks it down their throat for the rest of his career. If the I only- was Mississippi State, that's who I'd hire because he ain't taking no shit off anybody. No, you're you're probably right. So here here are the names that have popped up for Tennessee. T. Martin came up on Monday because of the fact that okay, nothing went right on this hire, and we got to get somebody in here that that nobody will will talk bad about, right? T. Martin played quarterback at Tennessee. He won their only national championship in the last however many decades. Um, he's the offensive coordinator at USC. But even people at USC want him out. So I don't know what to think about that one. The other names that are up are Mike Leach, Jeff Brom, Kevin Sumlin, Lane Kiffin, Mike Norvell, Chad Morris, and there is a contingency that wants David Cutcliffe to come in for a few years to write the ship. Do you think Tennessee fans are okay with any of those names? Right now, if I'm the commissioner... No, Commissioner. If, if I'm the athletic director from Curry, I I would, and this is going to sound really petty of me, but because of what Clay Travis did, and he threw out six names, I would immediately, in, intentionally, not go out and hire any of those six people. And I would hire somebody else. I would try to get them to be the best job they can be and do the best job they can do. But you cannot give in to the mob mentality because once you do, it's over. It's yeah. over. And if, and if you get the right guy that's not on that list and you win and you win, then then you're God and you proved yourself. If you hire one of those other guys and you lose, let's say you let's, let's say you hire Mike Leach, a dude that you know that I worship, and he averages six to eight wins a season, which is what he's done everywhere he's ever gone. Okay? And you did but you did exactly what Clay wanted you to do. In two years from now, Clay's going to be calling for your job, and he's going to send all those little mobsters that he sent to get Shiano out. He's going to send them to get you out because you made that hire, even though even though you you knuckled under and you bent the knee and you you did what he asked. That's yeah. that's my problem. He wants Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin's never won more than eight games in the SEC in his entire life. Well, the, these are he's not the names that season. these are not the names that that Clay put out there. Well, some of them are. Some of them are. Some of them are. I think he said, uh, what, Norvell? and T. Martin are the only two that are not. Norvell, Bobby Petrino uh, is who he said, uh, Leach. Mike Leach? No, he said Mike Leach. He said Kevin Sumlin. I don't think he he said Sumlin, did he? Yes, he had Sumlin on there. Uh, Maybe he did. Which is why Clay's list was ridiculous. Okay? It was ridiculous. I'm I'm telling you. T. Martin, I, I have no idea. I don't know anything about the guy. Okay? I've watched. USC, and I've tried to figure out if they're good or not, and every time I bet against them, they win and cover, and they beat somebody badly, and every time I bet on them, they get smoked, so I, I, don't, I don't know, and, and I haven't followed them enough to know if T. Martin's any good. I know that T. Martin's been around. He's been around a lot of good coaches. I do know that. He's worked under some big-name guys, all right, and I do think that T. Martin would get the boosters fired up and excited. He'd get alum back in there giving money, and I think the SEC East is there to be had. Man, come on in and mix it up. You don't have to be great to win eight games. Nine no, games. Look at South Carolina. Exactly. So 
So, I, you know, I don't know that it's a bad hire. And, you know, uh, Jeff Brom, you know I love. And, and I think he's a good coach. Where he goes, he's got to get there and he's got to build something, though. He can't keep job hopping every time he turns around. That's the difference. I agree. He's, he's, been, he's been where he's at, Purdue, for one year. Yeah, but if, if you get the chance to coach Tennessee, like, no, then, you're you, the then you go. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I agree. I agree. And I think if Jeff Brom gets in, I think Jeff Brom can compete. I think, I think he'll instantly be one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the East. Yeah, I so, think I think you might be right. You might be. I right. don't have a problem with any of those. I would intentionally go against the mob, though. If my number one hire that I wanted was on that list that Clay had, I would intentionally steer away from them. Because if you start bending and giving in, you can never stop. You can ever ever stop. Agreed. And I don't like that. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, let's can, talk can about. We, can we talk for? I know we're going long. Yeah. Can I, Can we talk about the class? Let's talk about a good dude, a guy that I have loved all year, but just has cannot win games. Can who we is talk this? about my boy Bill? Wait, who? Brett Lillman. Oh, Brett Lillman. Oh, yeah. I, listen, this guy—he got such a crap deal. It's not even close to funny. We think about how they fired him. He didn't get off the field. Yeah, that that was pretty bad. The uh, it, they they tell him en route to the to the post game press conference. Uh, that was pretty bush league, in my opinion. Hey, clean your stuff out. You're out. Like yeah. literally, the the game hits all zeros, and somebody walks up to him with some walking papers. It's pretty uh pretty bunk, you know. I and then he, he then had he to have known up. it was coming though. Oh no no no. You know you're getting fired, and, 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 and there have been people to argue, well, there's no real good time to fire somebody, so you just do it immediately. But the fact that he got fired, how many coaches after being fired would have just went and cleaned this stuff out and walked? But he didn't. He walked straight to the podium. He answered every question they wanted, talked to them for as long as they wanted him to talk, went in, talked to his players, told them thank you, told them he loved them, told them he appreciated everything they did for him. I, just the model of class. Four or five years ago, he was known as one of the hot ticket coaches in all of football. And for some reason, he couldn't get that offense where he needed it to be at Arkansas. And I don't know if it was because of injuries. I don't know if it was because he couldn't recruit the right kind of guys there. I I don't know the reason for it. He's going to get on somewhere coaching. And he's going to be a dang good coach somewhere else. And it might be a smaller level. I don't know how small down he would go. But if Mike Norvell left Memphis, I would take I would flip those guys in a second. If I knew, know I'm losing Norvell, I would beg them to come to Memphis and say, build a run game here, and let's put up 500 yards of offense on, on the ground, and let's dominate the AAC. Boy, that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? I, I like that man. I am biased. I know I am. There aren't a lot of good guys in college football. Most of these guys are jerks. Even the real good ones, they're all jerks. He's one of the dudes that I think is a good dude. Yeah, I I do agree with you there. Where can you see a good fit for him? Because you're always good at this. It's somewhere in the Midwest. Like if if Jason Candle uh, left Toledo, he'd he'd be pretty good at at Toledo. Um, You know, I don't know that he's going to get a Power Five job right off the bat. But yeah, I don't either. I'll tell you this. If Frost would have taken the Florida job, I do think he could have went to Nebraska. 
and built something. Yeah. But they got to give them some time to rebuild that offensive line. Yeah, I do agree there. Um, he he would probably be pretty good at Ohio if Frank Solich decides to, uh, you know, to hang him up. But if you ever put him in a Mac and on one of those Mac teams that run the football like crazy, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, all right, all he, right. He'd be fantastic there. But you know, it, it's some the right spot is going to have to open up for him. So, uh, well, let's talk about the Arkansas job. It, look, there's a bunch of names that they've had. Mike Leach. They've been talking about Gus Malzahn. Uh, a few other people said that Lane Kiffin is going to get involved there. It, it, Malzahn is still a a possibility. If by chance Auburn loses the SEC championship game, then it becomes a bidding war, and it all depends on whether or not Arkansas wants to outbid Auburn. It, but somebody's going to be paying Malzahn over seven million dollars a year next year. Like that, that's going to happen no matter what. He's not leaving Auburn. This is crazy. He's not leaving Auburn. He's just not. And there's no bidding war because then they got to pay his buyout. Auburn already has it. It's not like he's a free agent after this year. No, I, I agree with you. But I, I'm so, telling you, that is a that is still a possibility. Uh, but the uh, news out of out of Arkansas right now is that Mike Norvell. Um, who is one of the the top two candidates for this job? He had now it, obviously Memphis has the AAC championship game this weekend, but yep. on Monday Norvell followed seven current Arkansas players on Twitter as well as four commitments in the Razorbacks 2018 class, and he followed a bunch of Arkansas media members. That's over. So I'm it's thinking done. that Norvell is. Yeah, I think that that's done. That's done. That's done. And, and, and I don't hate that for Nordell. I like him. I want him to do well where he goes. Man, I think Arkansas's got a long way to go, though. It, this will, this will, I will be shocked if he can do what. Uh, oh my gosh, what's his name did at Vatek? Oh, oh Justin Fuente. Fuente. If oh, he, he can do what Fuente did it, that quick. It's not built the he, same. He, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. Quinte didn't take over a dead program. He took over a retired program. So that's different. Different. Completely so, different. Uh, let's talk I about A and M right quick. Texas A and M. They fire Kevin Sumlin on Sunday. The reports are and so. Here are the names, and there's really only four that have been associated with the the job. It's Jimbo Fisher, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, Chad Morris at SMU, and Dave Aranda. Now. They're not going to fire Kevin Sumlin to bring in Dave Aranda. And I don't think they're no. going to fire Kevin Sumlin to bring in Chad Morris. The The news today, there's already several sources that are saying that Jimbo Fisher is done. Like, that is a done deal. Uh, Scott Woodard, the uh, the athletic director at Texas A&M, worked with Fisher when he was at Auburn. So, or I'm sorry, at, uh, at LSU under Nick Saban. Yes, I was going so, to say no, yeah. So I I believe that the Fisher thing is done. I think that he needed a, a new environment, a new place, a new beginning, and A and M looks to be the spot. the uh, The deal it looks like is going to be over eight million dollars a year. Good gosh! Do you think Jimbo's worth it? Lord no, I don't think he's worth it. Yeah, I don't either. I'll take. Listen, I, I I know there are a lot of coaches out there way better than my guy. But I'll take Orgeron at $3 million a year all day long. All day long. <laughs> the record we've got and the wins we've got and the way we played this season at $3 bucks a year, 
Y'all go on with your eight, nine million dollar coaches. Go get them. Go get. I hope you enjoy the hell out of them. I I agree with you. All right. So we got <laughs> we got two more schools that we're going to talk about. First okay. off, Mississippi State is not looking for a head coach. The two names that are the biggest on their list. They already interviewed Jeremy Pruitt, the defensive coordinator at Alabama, this morning, and they're talking to Bill Clark, UAB's coach. That's that's who I'd go get. You know that, though. Oh, 100%. You knew that. That's my guy. I'd hire him tomorrow, and you know that he'll never leave you. He'll never pull a Dan on you, not once. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't say that. Oh, I think if a Power 5 school gives Bill a program, and they give him the resources, I think he stays. Now, this is crazy to me. Everybody – now, this is one of my – it's always been a pet peeve of mine, but it, and maybe it's because I just don't understand it. All these schools all only want an offensive guy. They won't even even talk to a defensive dude. And, and Mississippi State has talked to two defensive guys, Bill Clark's defensive guy and then Pruitt. I find that really strange because I was talking to a buddy last night, big Mississippi State alum, season ticket holder, and when I threw Bill, he, he gave me like four names of people. And I said, and Bill Clark was the only defensive dude on there. And I said, that's my guy. And he said, oh, I just don't like that he's that he, just a defensive guy. And I was like, that's just, that, did, that boggles my mind that, that people see that and think, I don't. I want an offensive-minded head coach. We'll just hire an offensive-minded offensive coordinator. That's his job. Yeah, I agree. Can you explain that? It, it everybody gets so fired up about offense. That's all it is. Like Nick Saban was not an offensive guy, and I think he's no. done pretty well. You know, Dan Mullen was an offensive guy, but yeah, Dan was. Hey, look, the saying is, and we all know this: defense, offense sells tickets. Defense wins championships. Like you're not going to be able yeah. to win a championship unless you can play some defense. There's a stigma though that you could hire a defensive coordinator, but you you can't hire an offensive coordinator to be great because that offensive coordinator is going to get a head coaching job. So you got to make the offensive guy your head coach. And and I just man, there's a lot of things that I disagree with in the world. I just think that's wrong. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on all this stuff, but that's crazy. I think Bill Clark is the man. I'd go. I'd go get him. I actually think if you're Mississippi State, you're gonna get him cheap because I I think a few schools are gonna go after him, but I don't think many. I don't think many either. The other names I think on you're their list. Be the only Power Five school that goes and gets him. Probably so. Hey, let me let me tell you about the other names on this list. Brett Venables, who's the defensive coordinator at uh, Clemson. Yep. Neil Brown at Troy. Neil Brown is a mega mega offensive guy. Yep. Mike Bobo at Colorado State, offensive guy. Mm-hmm. Jason Candle at uh, at Toledo, he is an offensive guy. Larry Fedora oh, yeah. at North Carolina, he's an offensive guy. And Ryan Day, offensive co- our co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Um, I-, I would tell you, out of all those guys, I love I love the Bittables. If they go, if they go with Brett, or if they go with Troy's coach, that guy. You can't do. I think both those guys are going to be real good one day. I think so too. I think Neil Brown is already there. He's what he's doing at Troy is. I mean, Troy was a crap program for years, yep. years, and and he brought him back. No, he's he is a strong coach. He is exciting. Um, I, I'm and he's I'm, young. He's I'm thirty-seven very, years old. 
yeah, no, I'm I'm big on him. I think those are built. It would be between Brett, Bill Clark, and and that guy. That's those those would be my choices. All right. Let's I'm close. curious to see if Bittables can be a head coach because he is he's a different kind of guy. Yeah, he is. But and he's perfectly suited for the defensive coordinator position. But there's no reason that guy can't be a head coach. I agree. I, he's he's fiery. <laughs> Um, he's been doing it for a long time. He's learned under some of the best. I I think – I mean, State might be a good spot for him. Oh, I think it would be awesome for him. You're right. That would be a home run hire. Let's, uh, let's close up talking about Arizona State. There's not a whole lot to say here. They uh, they fire Todd Graham. Uh, the only reason I bring this up is because that is where Norvell came from. So, if Norvell is not going to Arkansas – would Arizona State make sense for him? The the other names on this, let me go on and give you these. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, uh, Pep Hamilton, who is the passing game coordinator and associate head coach at Michigan, uh, Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, Brett Bielema, Dana Holgerson at West Virginia, Chad Morris at SMU, Brian Harson at Boise State. Do any of those make sense? I mean, Kevin Sumlin, I think, would do really well out west. And I think Norvell's going to do great anywhere he goes. I, I do have beef with this, though, okay? I was shocked. This is the most shocking firing of them all to me. That school, I think, was picked by Vegas' over-under to win, like, three games this year. And, hey, not only did they win a lot of – man, they won, like, five games in their conference. They, they overachieved more than any school I'd ever seen. Played real hard. Todd Grantham, I think he's a really good coach. I cannot believe they let him go. This has to be a personality thing. Something has to have happened for this to have happened. It cannot be wins and losses. Yeah, because they they went seven and five this year. Yeah, and I think I think I think they got five conference wins. I think I might be wrong on the record on that, but they beat a lot of schools they should not have beaten. They won a bunch of games they should not have won. Agreed. And, 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 and on and top I of that, why I, they would have fired their I think it's going to be it, – it has to be a – it's got to be a personality issue. I mean, it has, it has well, to. Well, because, here, because here's the deal. they're not a football powerhouse. L- listen to what uh, their athletic director, Ray Anderson, said. He said he's not looking for a head coach who wants to clean house. He said, in my view, first-year offensive coordinator Billy Napier has done an outstanding job with our offense – and first-year defense coordinator Phil Bennett has helped us make progress with our defense. I made it very clear oh, to both of those guys. None of those guys on that list. Here's the thing. You he said, I, I've, I've made it very clear to both of these guys that we want them to have the opportunity to come back, and any head coach that comes in here uh, that doesn't see that value is not the guy for us. So they're wanting to bring in a head coach and not allow him to hire his own offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Then just promote one of those guys. I don't get it. That, that, that this doesn't make any sense to me at all. I, I am yet, and this is what I don't like about sports journalism. We learned about this going through the Ole Miss stuff and, and everything like that. Nobody, nobody does any real reporting on any of this crap anymore. I, somebody should be investigating what happened. Somebody should be balls deep in the middle of Arizona State figuring out why this firing took place. Because you have a really good coach. There's been a coach here for a long time and done well. And and there's no like glaring black marks that we should be 
worried about or show up in the red flags or anything. Way overachieved this year compared to what his expectations were. And and he just let go. Just gone. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest knock on Todd Graham was he was at Rice. For, so he was the offensive coordinator. Or I'm sorry, the defensive uh-huh. coordinator at Tulsa from 2003 to 2005. He left and coached Rice for one year, and then he jumped to Tulsa, right? So he, he was only at Tulsa for three years. He went from Tulsa in 2010 to Pittsburgh in 2011, left Pittsburgh after one year, and then went to Arizona State in 2012. He's been there ever since. He's 95-60 and 60 overall as a head coach. So, And he's, he's not bad at Arizona State. He's 46-31. and 31. He went eight. And, he went eight and five his first year. Ten and four the next year. Ten and three uh, in 2014, and then he went six and seven, five and seven, and now he's seven and five. I can't figure it out. I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand then, what the expectations are. And then they want to hire somebody who's not going to change anything. Who's going to come in and just do things exactly like they have been doing? Keep all the same people. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'll take that job. They want to pay three million dollars. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll do it. I mean, it, oh, you want to keep all these guys and let them keep doing the job they're doing? Sure, I'll move to Arizona. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go. Why not? I don't mind Tempe. That's that's a nice place. No, no. That way better weather than Memphis. Oh, you got that let's right. Go. You got that right. All right, <laughs> let's. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, at GaryWCE. You can follow me at ChrisBGiannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. You can also email the show, that's winningcureseverything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551 226 9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team or praise us or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551 226 9899, and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show, and until next time, have a good one, guys. Hey, don't forget, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast on iTunes and make sure you leave a review. For every 25 written five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we are donating to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and LeBonner's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. So subscribe and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast apps. Remember, the Winning Cures Everything podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.